Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. Very good, and good morning again. Would you please open your Bible to the book of John, chapter 8. We're going to look at one verse today, and that verse is verse 12 in chapter 8 of John. Today's message is titled, A Light You Can Depend On. And this is the first message in a new series, Jesus' Teachings in the Temple. Jesus' Teachings in the Temple, A Light You Can Depend Upon. Bill and Hal is the company that makes Taclite. And you may have seen their commercials. A Taclite is a very durable flashlight, like the one that you see up here on the screen. It's marketed for its durability and for its toughness. They have taken this light, and the commercial shows they will freeze it. This flashlight will be frozen in a block of ice, and it will still work once they unfreeze it. They boil it in water, and then they take it out, and they show you this light still works. They put it under water. And then they take it out and they show you this light still works. They even run it over with a Humvee. And they show you this light can withstand anything. Uh, They market it as being 22 times brighter than the average flashlight and can see two nautical miles away. So you would think that this light has it all. But this light, the tack light, no matter how durable or how tough, it cannot shine a light on your heart. And it cannot shine a light on your spirit. There's only one light that can do that. And that is the light of Jesus Christ. And the light that he provides. Our biblical principle for today is this. Jesus is the light in a dark world. Today's question that we will answer. How can we take hold of the light of Jesus. My friends, you need to take hold of the light of Jesus. Right? But before we answer that question, let's look at the context here. When is this taking place? This takes place about 31 AD, soon after the Feast of Booths. Now, the Feast of Booths is also known as the Feast of Tabernacles or the End Gathering. And that was a feast that celebrated God's provision for the Israelites during their wilderness wandering when they left um, Egypt and during the Exodus. And they commemorate this by building booths or tents made of branches and foliage. And they temporarily will dwell in them during this feast. So this they had the feast. And so this is taking place. Uh, soon after that moment okay where is this taking place this is taking place in the temple treasury so this is the temple that herod king herod had built during the day of jesus and this is what it looked like the temple treasury was located right in this area here this was also known as the court of women okay this is where the event of the adulterous woman where jesus said you who are without sin you cast the first stone took place right in this area here and the treasury was located also in this court 
Okay? So that's where we are in the temple when Jesus makes this statement in John 8.12. Okay? So this is where uh, free will and sacrificial tribute was given. And this is also where the woman who gave very little offering, and Jesus said she gave all that she had. She did that in the temple treasury. Okay? So, who is involved in this passage of Scripture? Well, we have, of course, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I use verse John 8, 12, the one that we just read previously, to explain who Jesus is. He is the light of the world, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he is speaking this to Pharisees and scribes. And of course, we know the Pharisees, our old friends there. They are a very strict religious group. Uh, and the scribes are very knowledgeable. The scribes get their names because they scribe. Okay? And they would oftentimes copy letter for letter, word for word, the scriptures on papyrus paper or lambskin, sheepskin paper. And that's what they would use to roll up. And they would copy it very precisely. It had to be exact. And if they messed up, they threw the whole thing away and they would begin again. So they were very knowledgeable, not only in what the word might say, but in how many letters was in the word, how many um, uh, words was in each chapter. So they were very uh, knowledgeable in the Old Testament law. But they obscured God's law with their own traditions, right? The man-made traditions that they added to God's word made God's law hard to see. And Jesus came to shine a light on God's word. So what is happening in this scripture here today? Jesus attests of his divinity, his identity, and his character. And he is doing this because he is making a distinction between himself and the world. So we have the uh, leading up to verse 12 here in chapter 8 was the event of the adulterous woman. And here we had the uh, religious leaders of Jewish, uh, Jesus' day in the court of women. And they had brought an adulterous woman to him in the temple. And of course, he says, you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. And one by one, they drop their stones and they leave, right? So that event right there, Jesus was making a distinction between the way that they do things and the way that he does things. Making a distinction between the ways of the world and his ways, the light and the darkness. Those who follow Jesus Christ will have a heart like the Lord and will walk in the light. My friends, the question that we have today is this. How can we take hold of the light of Jesus? And let's go to the scriptures, okay? Let's go to verse 12 in chapter 8 there. And let's look at the first part of that verse. And it says this. Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Very important statement right there at the outset. Because Jesus says that we need to recognize that he is the one and only light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. He doesn't say, I am a light in the world. 
He says, I am the light of the world, the one and the only. In 1965, on November 3rd, there was a huge storm that came through the northeast portion of the United States. And because there was an error in setting a relay, a protective relay, it wasn't set high enough. The strain of the people running their uh, heat in their homes and the power in their homes tripped that relay. And for 13 hours, 30 million people in the northeast portion of the United States were without heat and were without power. The lights went out. It was complete darkness for 13 hours. That's exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 3 in the fall of mankind in the garden when Satan deceived Adam and Eve and ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The lights went out spiritually. Death came into the world. Decay began to happen on the earth and spiritual and physical death began to happen to mankind. Up to that point, mankind did no spiritual or physical death. They were destined to live forever in a relationship with God on the earth. But when the lights went out spiritually, now animals ate other animals. People began to kill other people. And so the spiritual lights went out. Now you're thinking that during a power storm that you're going to be able to just turn the generator on, right? Well, my friends, know this. Less than 3% of the people in this country have a backup generator for their home, okay? And, you know, spiritually speaking, there is no backup generator. When the lights are out spiritually, the only choice you have is Jesus Christ. He is the light that shines in the darkness of our spirit. And He is the only light that we have to depend upon and to count on. And now we know that Jesus is the one and only light of the world because one, his light is a true light. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And he did so that day in the garden. And he continues to do that to this day. There are many different lights that the culture will tell us that are true. There are many different things that the world tells us that we can count on and that we can depend upon. If you've ever seen the movie Castaway, you will remember when Tom Hanks was on the island with a soccer ball named Wilson, right? And he was talking to the soccer ball. He saw a light in the distance and he thought that it was a ship and he began to wave and try to make fire and try to signal for what he thought was a ship. But when he made his way off of the island and he got to that other, uh, there was another little island there, he saw all it was was the moon reflecting off of a piece of metal. Friends, look at me. It wasn't the real light. It was a fake light. This world is full of things that will deceive you and make you think they're safe. Listen to me. Today you'll go into your bedroom and you'll look at your bed and you'll think, this is safe. 450 people every year die from falling out of their beds. 
okay? Well, you're very welcome. Something needs to wake you up. Hey, you know, this world is deceptive. This world is full of lies. This world is full of phony light. Only Jesus Christ is the one true light. Look what it says up here. Verse 1-9 in the book of John. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 John. And I just want to say this, that if you don't have Bibles, we do have a stack of Bibles up there in the back as you come in. You're more than welcome to have one of those Bibles there. They are large print, so the print is very easy to see there. So, 1 John chapter 5, if you would. We're going to look at verses 19 and 20. 1 John chapter 5, that's near the back of the Bible, before, right before Revelation. 1 John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. It says this, We know that we are of God. And that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Ooh, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So Jesus is the true light because He is the true God. Okay? And we know Him to provide eternal life. Now, we also know that Jesus is the one and only light of the world because Jesus is good. The light of Jesus is good. Genesis 1, 3, and 4 says this. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. Light is good and darkness is not good. The movie Star Wars points this out. You have the light side and you have the dark side, right? The dark side is evil and the light side is good, okay? Now, ultraviolet light is something that is used nowadays as a disinfectant. It is very effective in killing germs. In fact, UV light, UVC light, can kill COVID-19, and it's being used in order to shine a UV light on surfaces and can kill COVID-19. But it's not effective on surfaces when dust falls upon the surfaces because the light cannot penetrate the germs when they're covered in the dust. Folks, there's a lot of dust in the world. There's a lot of things trying to cover you and I and keep the light of Jesus Christ from penetrating our spirits. My friends, we need to shake the dust off and let the light of the Lord come into our lives and shine brightly and penetrate and kill the sin that we have in us. Yes, our sin has been forgiven. Yes, our sin has been covered. Yet, we still walk in many of our sins. And the Lord does not want us to walk in our sins. The Lord wants us to walk in the light. 
walk in the light of the Lord, practicing a lifestyle of walking in the light so that we can shine brightly for others who may not even know who we are, but they will say this person is a lover of God. This person is a uh, knows God intimately, and I can tell that just by observing the things that they do, the way that they walk, the way that they talk. By shining the light of Jesus. Let his light shine in you today. Jesus is the only option in this world for seeing through the dark. Therefore, we have to follow the light and take hold of the light of Jesus by also committing and following him. Would you go back to the scriptures in verse 12 there, please? And see what it says. Where John 8 Verse 12, it says this. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. So number two, how do we take hold of the light of Jesus? Well, first, we recognize Jesus as the one and only light of the world. Two, we commit to following Jesus. You see, that word follow... In verse 12 there, it means this, to follow Jesus as a disciple. Now, what Jesus is doing there is he is likening himself as a torch. He is a torch that goes before us in the dark and he lights the way for us, right? As, as we are disciples of his. Many times in movies, you will hear the phrase of somebody who's dying. Oh, I can see the light. I can see the light, right? The light is good, and we want to walk toward the light. When it's dark, we want to have a light that will shine the way so that we're not walking in the darkness. Motel 6, they had a catchy phrase, and I guess they still may, but they said, Motel 6, we'll leave the light on for you, right? You remember that? And they said that. Because that was a way of letting them know, letting us know that they care about us, right? We'll leave the light on for you so that you can see, so that you can walk into your hotel room and that you won't trip, that you won't fall, that you'll be able to see your way. And Jesus Christ is the same way. He illuminates the world in a way which we can see things that we cannot see with our natural eyes. He illuminates the darkness of this world. My dear friends, without a close and personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are walking in the darkness. You think and you believe through the deception of your own mind and the lies of Satan that you can see perfectly fine because you put your trust in your own common sense, you put your trust in your own experiences, and you put your trust in your past successes. Well, I'm here to tell you now, if you continue to build a life on those types of foundations, that's like building a house on the sand. It will not last. It will not perish. And when we come face to face with the Lord, it will all wipe away. The only thing that will withstand eternity is your faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only thing. That is the only thing that will stand and will last through the purifying fire that the Lord provides. When He remakes the heavens and the earth, the only thing that will last is faith in Jesus Christ. That is it. That alone. 
And so Jesus leads the way by being the light. Look what it says in Exodus 13, 21. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them the light that they might travel by day and by night. Would you open your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 14? We're going to look at verses 19 and 20. Exodus chapter 14 verses 19 and 20. Exodus is near the beginning of the Bible. It's the second book of the Bible after the book of Genesis. And it says this in verses 19 and 20. The angel of God. Now the angel of God is Jesus. Whenever you see that in the Old Testament, that's referring to a pre-incarnate Jesus. Now when I say pre-incarnate Jesus, that means that is Jesus Christ before the world he is introduced into the world as Jesus Christ. He is the angel of the Lord or the angel of God. Okay, not an angel of the Lord or an angel of God, but the angel of God. And we know this because the context usually follows it up with giving the angel of the Lord certain qualities and characteristics that can only be given to God. If it's an angel and we bow down to it, the angel will say, don't bow down. And you'll see that in the scriptures, particularly in the New Testament. But when it's the angel of the Lord, we take our sandals off, we bow down before it, and he doesn't correct us. He says, yes, this is right and this is good. That's because this is a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Okay, a little bit of theology there for you this morning. And it says this in verses 19 and 20. The angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And there was the cloud along with the darkness. Yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. So the angel of God, and we read previously in chapter 13, 21 there, that it was the Lord going before them. So this means that this definitely was Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ leading the way for the Israelites out of Egypt by a pillar of cloud and day and a pillar of fire by night. Jesus leads the way. And you know what else he does? He sets your heart on a new course you know when paul was on damascus road he saw a bright light and the light blinded him and what happened to his heart his heart changed we talked about this in sunday school class this morning he did a 180 right a 180 he completely changed he had a conversion experience no longer did he think the way that he thought before no longer was he perverted in his thoughts, but he was clean and pure, moving for Jesus Christ in a new direction. He had a new path, a new course. And that's exactly what the light of Jesus Christ does. He sets our hearts on a new course. My friends, 
if you're always looking at other people and wondering what other people are thinking and doing or thinking about you and wondering what other people are doing, you're going to miss love and you're going to miss the light. Don't be so concerned with what others are thinking and doing. Just focus on the light of Jesus Christ and then your heart will be set on a new path. One of the troubles that a lot of Christians have with being able to read the scriptures and not only apply them to their lives, but understand the love that God is showing them in their lives is that they can't stop thinking about what other people are thinking. And so they can never embrace that loving relationship. They can never see scripture in the way that it's intended to be because they can't get on the path because they won't let the light in because they're too worried about what other people are thinking about them. Stop being concerned with what people are thinking about you. Okay? And start wondering what the Lord thinks about you. Be pleasers of God, not pleasers of men. Men will all, every man and woman will answer God, not each other at the end. When the end comes, you will not answer to your peers, your co-workers, your husband or your wife, your mom or dad. We will answer God and God alone. Be pleasers of God, not pleasers of men. Jesus is the true light. He is the good light. He leads the way and he exposes the truth. Look what it says in John 3, 20 and 21. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds will be revealed and having been wrought in God. Those who love the Lord and are living a life for the Lord, they love the light and they love the truth. They have nothing to hide. Everything that they did in the past has been wiped clean. But those who are living lives contrary to God's word, the light of God and his word reveals those things. And then some people like to say, well, I feel guilty. Well, okay, that's called conviction, all right? When the word is delivered and the word is preached, it's not the preacher who's making you feel guilty. It's the conviction of God's word working in your soul. That's called the working of the Holy Spirit. A minister can prepare a message and it may sound like it's speaking directly to you. Well, that's the working of the Holy Spirit because a minister has no idea who will be <laughs> he'll be talking to any given Sunday. He just don't know when. And so the word of God works that way. It convicts and it exposes us the things that are going on in our lives that we need to change and that we need to make right. And so the light of Jesus exposes this truth now in miami-dade county that's down in florida there was an accident there was a pedestrian who was ran over by a car it was a hit and run accident and they had no leads they had no suspects so what the uh these officers down in miami-dade have they have an instrument 
that uses alternative light sources, okay? And so while they're doing an autopsy, they will put these alternative light sources on the body. And what it does is it darkens the blood and it makes it contrast uh, from the damaging skin and the healthy skin. And so what they were able to find in this one particular hit and run case is when they used these alternative light sources, it exposed uh, what looked to be, to the naked eye, a faint circular bruise. Well, when they put the alternative light on the area, the blood darkened in that area and it showed and revealed the Kia logo from a car on the body. And from there, they were able to trace that back and solve the mystery of the hit and run. And that's exactly what the light of the Lord does. It exposes the truth. It exposes things in our life. You see, the Lord's love for us is to show things to us that we need to fix. And you say, well, why do we need to fix anything if I simply believe and have faith in the Lord? Because your love is demonstrated by how you react and act to God's Word. True love doesn't just sit on a couch and watch TV while the other spouse does all the work in the house. True love demonstrates its love through action. And your love for the Lord is demonstrated through action, right? And so this is why God says, the truth needs to be exposed. And we escape the dark and we make it out of this world and we appreciate the light that leads to life. And apart from Jesus, there is no life. So now, how else can we grab on to the light that Jesus Christ provides. Let's go back to the scriptures there in verse 12 of uh, chapter 8 in John. And it says this, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So first of all, we have to understand that Jesus is the one and only true light in the world. That we must commit to following Jesus. And then we need to understand that Jesus gives the light of life. And the light he gives overpowers the darkness and it shines in a dark world. Aristotle has this quote. He said this, it is during our darkest moments that we must focus on the light. John 1.5 says this, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness overcame it not. The light of Jesus cannot be defeated. It cannot be taken over. It cannot be comprehended. You know, when COVID-19, the pandemic, as they like to call it, came into our lives, it cast a lot of darkness into our nation and into our world, into our personal lives. A lot of isolation. Uh, one of the things that we talked about in Sunday school this morning was uh, greetings and how people would used to greet people because um, they talked about this in the scriptures. The uh, Christians uh, back in Jesus' time would greet each other with a kiss, a kiss on a cheek. Uh, we used to greet people with handshakes and hugs 
and we would have a time at the beginning of services in various churches that we've been to where you would get up and you would shake hands and you would ask everybody how they're doing and everything and covid kind of changed all that and it cast a dark shadow upon the world and when people are isolated and don't have human touch without human affections depression begins to sink in and satan's lies begin to take hold in our minds and in our hearts uh, we begin to believe that uh, we're not good enough we begin to believe that we lack certain things we begin to believe that people don't care about us as much as we thought that they did and so there's a darkness there there's a lot of dark moments but the light of jesus overpowers every one of those dark moments the light when the light of jesus is shining in our lives satan's lies are like the germs that are defeated by the uv light the light of jesus defeats satan's lies and his deceptions my friends satan is the enemy and he has a lot of things that he wants you to believe and to deceive you in but the light of jesus can kill it the light of jesus is so very important in our lives and it's only given to us through the scriptures and the word colossians 1 13 says this for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son jesus always wins no matter how bad we think things get and this is what jesus tells us on the sermon of the mount he says my dear friends you are the light of the world you are the light of the world and he tells that to his disciples those who believed in him i am the light of the world jesus says but now you also are the light of the world too and a city on a hill cannot be hidden and that was exactly what he was telling his disciples you take my light into your life and you are to shine the light that i give you friends the light from the world and the light from the culture is not a light at all when you reflect back what the culture gives you you're going to reflect back the culture and the culture is disgusting and the culture is dying the culture does things that are contrary to good healthy physical and spiritual living the culture doesn't care about you jesus cares about you the lord cares about you the lord knows that your spiritual health is more important than what the culture has to think about you that's why he gives us this light called the holy spirit and when we believe in him and trust in him the light comes to live in us and then we become the light of the world my friends if you follow the ways of the world it's going to lead to a maddening saddening physical and spiritual decay and we're living in a time where generations of people are going to be growing up with social media 
and devices in front of their faces 24 hours a day. And the light of the Lord, that is like the dust covering the light of the Lord. How can you function when for 15 hours of the day you're taking in the ways of the world? And the ways of the world lead to death. The ways of the Lord lead to life. If I may say this as your pastor, put the phone down, pick the Bible up. Or pick up the Bible app on your phone. Folks, I may be preaching to the choir here, and that's okay, but it's a good message. Take it how you want. We've got to be able to have control over these devices. We've got to be able to have, because these devices are vices. And what they want, nothing more, is to defeat you. That phone, that iPad, does not care about you. It does not love you. It cannot give you love. It cannot provide your spirit with the light that it needs. In fact, what that light from your phone does, it prevents you from sleeping. You know how bad that light is for your sleep? Put it down. Go to bed. Think of the ways of the Lord. The Lord's light is the light that we need. Heavenly Father, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you have given us a light. A true light, a good light, a light that exposes truth, a light that will reach into the deepest, darkest parts of our heart and our soul, and that will pour out the love that you provide for us. Father God, let us be a people who have control over our flesh and over our emotions and our desires, and let us be a people who think with wisdom, work. The wisdom that you offer, Father. The wisdom that you provide. And let us be a light in a dark world just as you are. Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone here today that doesn't know the light of Jesus Christ, that doesn't have that light in their lives. If you don't have the light of Jesus Christ or you want the light of Jesus Christ in your life, ask the Lord right now where you're at to shine that light into your life. You can have that light by asking Him to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sins. You just ask Him right where you're at, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my guide in a dark world. Be my Savior and my Lord. And He promises that He will do that. And if you make a decision to follow Jesus today, please come to me after this service. And I'll talk about with you what that means and what the next steps are. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray that we have honored you and praised you in a way that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer at Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www.creekside-church.org on the website. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday Message with Pastor Nick Stringer.